A successful business takes more than a great idea, great employees, and great service. You need customers. So how do you find them? Or more accurately, how do they find you? Having a steady stream of leads is essential to keep any business growing. It's time to build your brand. Welcome to Build Your Brand, I'm Joe Barnhart. The average person is hit with thousands of ads every day from billboards and radio spots to email newsletters and social media ads. As a business owner, you need to cut through all those messages to reach the people truly interested in your product or service. And it's not enough for them to just see your message, you want them to act on it. Joining us to talk about lead generation today is Caleb Williams, Marketing Innovation Manager at Two Men in a Truck, and Pedro Gallegos, a franchise business owner of the Two Men in a Truck location in San Diego, California. Welcome to both of you. Hey, welcome, Joe. Thanks. Uh, yeah, to, thank you, Joe. Sure. To get things started, let's give our listeners a little bit of background. Pedro, what made you decide to start your own business, and why did you choose to franchise with Two Men in a Truck? Yeah, so uh, as me as being uh, originally from Ecuador and South America, so I moved out here through the U.S., um, always with that entrepreneurial mentality. Um, I came here with a couple of my bags after college, graduating college. So I always had the meaning of like, you know, if I'm coming all the way out here, I want to, you know, pursue the full American dream and, and, and go to you know, open my own business. And sure. um, this also from reading business books in the past, that's kind of was my, I don't know, my my natural inclination. Um, the reason why I, I chose to manage a truck is, um, well, a little bit of family. My, my wife was... Uh, the, the daughter is is the daughter of one of the original two men, and um, the so she's been around the brand forever, obviously. Um, and actually, I actually never planned on being a two-man truck franchisee. We I was, you know, we were together for five, six years, and and uh, we were living in Chicago, and she was working in the Chicago franchise, and then just came the opportunity, and I was in finance before, and the opportunity came up, and I, you know, just felt right, uh, right time. We just got married, so we had an appetite for risk, I would say, an adventure, and um, and we chose that two-minute truck because we obviously knew the brand, and also we were able to choose a cool location like, like San Diego. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, so that was a, a little bit of what we – that was about as much as I knew. I wanted to – I knew <laughs> two-minute truck because Alicia knew a little bit about it, and I knew San Diego was cool and warmer than Chicago. No, <laughs> that was my decision making like that. All right. Now, thinking back to when you first opened up, what were some of the initial tactics you used to start generating leads for your new business? So yeah, so it was you know it was an interesting um, interesting start. Uh, I would say because we were part of a franchise, and then but we were the first Southern California franchise, and so we were just to give you a little context, we were. Um, like our first uh, closest franchise in, in in our area was Vegas, which is about four and a half hours away, and their one was a uh, uh, Phoenix area, which is another, like five hours away drive. And after that, it's like another six hours in Mexico. So when we first started uh, here locally in San Diego, two men truck wasn't known. So we were a little bit shocked uh, in that sense, just because we were coming from the Midwest, where the brand has been there for 30 plus years. So um, when we initially started, we we just had uh, initially just had a online advertising for the first four or five months, and then we kind of just wasn't getting as many leads as we would like. 
And that's when we talked with some people more on the West Coast that kind of had the same uh, experience. And so we decided that we needed to do a, this also back in 2012, now we're at now 2013, we decided to do a, uh, TV campaign. We actually did it for the first, we had a big TV campaign um, for the first five years that we were open. Um, so that's where we initially did it now. And then in the past couple of years, we've uh, committed more and more to online uh, or pay-per-click uh, advertising since that's the, that people get more fragmented from the TV uh, viewing uh, experience and just more on their phones and, and looking online. So that's a, that's where the initial tactic when we first started was the TV, the TV doing that. We would do a lot of grassroots, uh, going out to drop off flyers and storage units and, and, and apartment complexes. And also Alicia got heavily involved with, uh, with a few realtor groups in which you would go there every week and then just kind of, you know, be out there to be top of mind for them. Time realtor refer someone that they would think about. Yeah. And that's, that's what we typically see in a new market and Pedro's examples was as he pointed out from the, the drive distance was was critical but we even we even see that if we're opening up a franchise that's an hour away from another franchise that those initial months that even that sometimes that initial year or two years is really just about building brand name because the the people in the market just aren't familiar with your your company or the services you're offering and that's finding those things that in that market work to generate that sort of top of mind awareness are just really, really critical in those early years. Sure. Um, now that kind of leads us into to maybe another opportunity here to talk about something that the, the awareness advertising, the grassroots work, the in the in area networking that a business can do all help lay the groundwork. They're not really generating customers necessarily. They're just getting your name out there in most cases. Um, what are how can you generate Caleb some of the the best leads? Where does where do they come from in terms of cost and quality of the lead? I mean, I I think that the the quality of your lead is directly related to the audience that you get in front of. So sometimes, um, like maybe the person you're talking to with that at that, that networking event isn't isn't the customer, but is, do they have access to your customer? Sure. So so even in in that like today with digital stuff, like audience is just part of what you target. So in pay-per-click, that can be the keywords you choose in your online display or whatever. That can be your um, your audience, your specifically your audience targeting or your website targeting. But you, I mean, you go back to before we had online stuff and grassroots was always about getting in front of the right audience. So how we do it is different, but but really at, at the core of our lead generation tactics, the audience is the most critical part and I'll always say that you'll you'll throw away more money chasing bad leads than taking on the additional costs of getting in front of the right leads. Sure. Pedro, from a franchisee perspective, um, do you still feel, obviously you still do some grassroots marketing, some getting out there. You said you meet with realtors. You still feel that that's, that's just as important as perhaps an online presence? I, I would see it as, so, I mean, now I would tell you that like our marketing budget, the, the, I would say 90% of it goes to online advertising. Um, I would do, especially dollar wise, uh, because obviously here in a, uh, we're in San Diego, which is a competitive market, uh, when it comes to leads, we have a lot of, uh, just competition and also people use online advertising a lot. So, um, we have to be just competitive. That's the, 
we have to focus really hard on that. I still I still contend that like referrals from our customers are huge, um, and um, and then doing uh, networking. I definitely do that. I do that myself. So, for example, so it's kind of biased. Like I, I wouldn't hire someone right now and decide that we are, but I do all those myself. And I do, um, at least, a, do I measure 100% one for one? No, but I do get, you know, the sense, okay, yeah, you know, I got a referral from this event or from this event or from just going to this event. So, for example, right now what I do is I do five grassroots visits a week and okay. two realtor events and try to keep, like, consistent with that. Um, and, and then just, so, and I do think that's an extra because I talk to people and someone, oh yeah, I didn't know, or like, oh yeah, yeah, we'll pass this on. And it's not like, oh, I've seen you guys online all the time, like, because they're not looking for that. So I do feel like it's like an extra thing for sure. And and it's important. And again, it gets me out of the office too, and gets uh, to hear like, uh, you know, do I see all our competitors there or like all our materials around and like storage or apartment complexes, and then that gives me a feel of like, okay, it's a hot area where I only want to do this, so I feel good about it, and um, yeah. And oh, like we've been, in Lansing, you know, we've been here for 30 some years, but we still have the same thing that Pedro's running into, right? We go to an event and we still have people going, oh, like I didn't know, I didn't know you guys were like so big, or we didn't know that you even were here. And so that that's sort of like, there's no matter how saturated you think you are in your market, and you know, Pedro is nowhere near that in, in San, San Diego, certainly because of you know the population. But even if you're in a small market, there's still someone out there that can be um, reached that would be a core audience for you or, or be connected with a core audience for you. And so you never want to downplay how much those relate that relationship building will actually impact your business. And no, you can't feel it next week, maybe. Sure. But you know, we're 30, 60, 90 days, like there's, there's impact over building those relationships in your market. Sure. And you, you've, you know, you've both mentioned realtors. Um, obviously, in the moving industry, there's a, there's a definite synergy there. You want, sure. you, you've got a direct connection to the, to the customer you're actually after. I would think in any business, you're, that's, that's one of the things you're looking for, right, is, is that connection with another organization or another group of people that have a common customer for you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's where like the target audience thing comes in is, um, is if you're visiting, if you're visiting um, businesses or events that have nothing to do with your industry or the services you provide, you're like you're wasting your time, even if it's a cool organization to belong to. Um, so you really want to find those things that directly relate to the thing that you're doing as a business. Oh, yeah, otherwise, you're just you're just wasting your time sure. and your money and your membership fees. <laughs> right. Um, Caleb, when it uh, when it comes to um, online, uh, most people look for a business online. That's the, that's everybody's yeah, first go to, right? They, the they jump and they yeah. do a search online. So it's no accident who shows up at the top end of that search, right? Uh, what are some of the factors that go into that? What are some things that a business owner needs to know do about you want, that? Do you want the cynical response or the, or the or like sort of the real response? Maybe a little, a little of both. both. Okay, <laughs> um, uh, it's not it's not an accident. Like there's. There's some things we know, so you just split up, split up the search results into paid versus unpaid. And there's some things that we just don't know about the unpaid section. You know, the you know, search engines want to sort of protect their intellectual property, so they don't release all of that. But you can basically boil it down to good quality content and frequency of updates as being like the primary drivers. It's really an overly simplistic view of it. Sure. Um, but if your content is crap, you won't show up. Uh, and then on the paid side, it, it really comes down to 
what is the person searching for? How is your ad relevant to that? And then how much are you willing to pay for it? Right. Uh, the more you're willing to pay for it, the more likely you are to show up at the top. But if you're not relevant, it doesn't matter how much you want to pay for it, you won't show up on the top. So if you consider quality of, con- um, quality of content and um, relevance of message with how much you're willing to spend, those, those are sort of the factors that will get you to the top of the search results. And yeah, that's where, that's where most people go to find whatever it is they're looking for. And then you can think about where they're going in terms of doing that searching based upon what, you're, what services you're selling. So uh, you, know, you can throw in the mix of sort of search engines, you know, think about YouTube, um, Twitch, if you're doing some sort of like app marketing or, or, you, or you're trying to push some, some sort of not really tangible service, you know, yeah. Twitch might be a good place. Um, but Google, Bing, Yahoo are sort of the obvious ones. Um, but yeah, really think about other websites that might have search on it that you can advertise through or, or run promotions on that might not be sort of the traditional search engine if that's where your audience is. And then the same factors will, will your, your success will still be based on, on the same factors, quality, um, relevance, and spend. Sure. Pedro, out in your market, how much, uh, how much time and effort do you spend in, for instance, updating your website, keeping that content up to date? So it's it's constant. I mean, I, I have a little routine on, on things. I mean, I'm not normally I'll, I'll work with uh, people at home office to help me out. Hey, you know, every six months or so, is this is this looking good? Like overall, uh, on a monthly basis, I have a little reminder to uh, update our employee of the month, um, so that way we have new contacts there and on the team member page. And then anytime we like hire someone or we you know, someone has moved on to a different, uh, in a different direction, we take them down, um, update the, our community efforts when it comes to like movers from moms, removers from military. So I'm always looking at, at that, obviously the reviews too, part of it. Uh, look at that too on a weekly basis, kind of more, not just on our website, but just looking at our Google reviews, our Yelp reviews, or all the other reviews using the different tools that we have. So, uh, yeah, I would say like on a weekly basis, you know, just, smaller parts than the bigger team um, every six months or so or three months or so. It's like, okay, is anything big that needs to be done, updated, or, or what happened? And that, that I want to like pull out that review and reputation management bit. Um, I think there's a huge um, thing to consider for down the road. There's a lot of interesting things happening within online reputation, really review management right now. Um, and some of it is just really scammy and really dirty. Um, so I, I think there's going to be some big winners down the road with review websites that, and businesses that really take review authentic, authenticity seriously um, and really do what's in the best interest of the searcher, the cust, potential customer, in terms of how we gain reviews, how we, how, how we show reviews, and how we respond to reviews. Um, and, and Pedro and his team does a really good job of, of staying on top of responding to those reviews. And I, I can't underemphasize how important sort of that, again, it, it's relationship building, right? You're, it's a little more one-to-one right. than what you might expect out of a networking event. But like reviews are a lead generation tool just as much as anything else. But it also demonstrates, you know, for us, for Two Minute Truck, like that care and consideration of the customer is really, really important. And we really want to take every single one of those bits of feedback that can be proven out to be authentic seriously and demonstrate that we want to address it. Um, and then, 
like part of benefit of being in the franchise system, as Pedro mentioned, like there's support here at home office for helping franchises in our system be successful at these tactics um, and and be able to help be efficient with their time and how they manage them. Has uh, have reviews kind of become the, the modern day equivalent of talking to your neighbor over the fence? Is, have they really risen to that level that you're you're treating them? People treat those as recommendations. Do you think? I mean, some of the review websites out there would certainly treat them that way. Um, I still think that a verbal endorsement is going to gain you a lot more. So, Peter also mentioned that ref- sort of like, hey, friends and family referrals are like a huge part of our lead generate quote unquote lead generate. I mean, it's not lead generation. There's nothing you can do to force that to happen other than good customer service. Um, but I think they're only they're they're important in people's consideration of you versus another brand or another service. That you know, a lot of times it it comes down to if I look at your reviews online and I can determine that you're um, buying them because uh, there no right. one has a, no one has five stars and five hundred reviews. That's not a thing. Um, <laughs> Or, or if you get, a, I don't expect it you to be perfect, but when you aren't perfect, do you take care of the problem? And I think the winners in that sort of, the people who go to reviews and look at reviews to determine what restaurant to eat at or, or what company to choose between two possible um, companies that they've narrowed it down to, those sorts of things within the review, sp- review space are very important to the decision-making process. Um, I, again, I don't know that it's any different than anything we had before. It's just where they're going to get the information is different. Sure. But I, I still think that a recommendation from a friend or family member verbally or, or even your neighbor over the fence is still going to carry more weight than an online review because you directly trust and know that one that person one-to-one. The relationship wins. Um, but yeah, reviews, we can't, you can't ignore them. Can't ignore them. Yeah. Pedro, when it comes to online reviews, uh, how, how on top of those do you try to stay? Do you, uh, make a strong effort to respond to both the negative and the positive stuff that you're seeing? Yes. Uh, so that's something that it became a focus, especially this past like year and a half, I would say for, for a while, what we would do is whatever we had in the reply cards and internally and internal. Uh, like it carries a lot of data. We would, you know, live by that. It was great, perfect, awesome, we're happy. And what happened is, like a year ago, a year and a half ago, I said, okay, well, we have this really good reply cards, and then our Yelp and Google reviews we weren't being on top of. So in the past year and a half, uh, every week I log in and then I answer. You know, if they had a negative review, make sure to answer to contact us so we can handle the problem or thank them for a good review. I also do like, you know, um, love our Anyone who submitted, hey, you know, we're really happy. We would say, hey, can you please, you know, would you mind sharing uh, this experience on our Google? We update the to help us with our rankings and, um, and blah, blah, and that's going to make our text for that. So we do, that's how we ask for them, let's say, quote, unquote. And then, yes, we do look at them. I look at them every week. And then I post them on our warehouse and send them to everyone. You know, so they can see, you know, like, our, where are we going and, and where are we and then um, how close are we to the next thing. Benchmark and um, and just congratulate the people that if we did good or like learn from the 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 say a bad review that we might have got. Now, lead aggregators have become fairly common, and Caleb, I, we've talked prior to going on the air here. We, I know you have some strong opinions on lead <laughs> aggregators. Um, give us a give us a brief explanation of how they work and why you think they're a bad idea. Well, I mean, they're not always a bad idea. I think there's 
so lead aggregators sort of in the general sense of it are, are, are companies that don't provide the service that they're sort of purporting to connect customers with. Um, but their, their goal is to sort of bridge the gap between a customer and a business, help, help the customer find the business that they're for the service that they're looking for. Um, and so there's two sort of two departments of this. There's the lead aggregators that work really well for independent contractors or, or really small businesses, um, in a local market. And they really do just facilitate that relationship. They just, they, they host the reviews. They sort of provide this little microcosm of web presence for these independent contractors. And it helps customers more quickly connect with, um, sort of like a one-off service that they need mostly around home services, just generally speaking. Sure. Um, and that's fine. Like, I don't, we don't have a problem with those, those companies. They're, they're fine. They run everything above board. Um, but then there's this, this growing segment of lead aggregators that sort of purport themselves as the service provider themselves. So like they would rather than representing themselves as a place to help you find a moving company or help you find fill in the blank, they say, Hey, we're a thing that does fill in the blank. Uh, but when you fill out their form, they really just turn around, and sell all your data to the highest bidder, you know, probably four or five times. Right. Uh, and that that's presenting a problem for, for businesses, small businesses, because now they're losing, they're, they're, they're ending up having to sort of pay a broker for these leads that they used to get just through Google search results. Um, and that's, that's sort of also presenting a problem for consumers that they think they're getting company A, but then all of a sudden they get phone calls from five other companies that provide that service. And they have no idea, like in their mind, they don't understand how their data got to all these other companies. Right. And so I think there's this fracturing of sort of trust between these these bad lead aggregators and, and the small businesses that uh, are buying that information from them. And I think ultimately at the end of the day, the consumer is the one that suffers because they're the ones who no one shows up on the day for the service that they, they thought they booked or the company they thought they booked with isn't the company that they did book with. And it just creates all sorts of confusion. And if you're in anything related to home services, like you really have to be careful of what's out there uh, and make sure you you keep a close eye on on where your business is being represented and how it's being business being represented. And any time you can get in and sort of interact with with uh, the legitimate legitimate ones, uh, do so and and do it you know carefully cautiously. Make sure that your customer first and foremost is being protect, protected in those exchanges. Sure. Well, that's. We've covered a lot of ground. We've barely scratched the surface, I feel like. But uh, <laughs> there's, there's, there's always more details. <laughs> exactly. And Pedro, I know we're hearing trucks moving back and forth in the background there. I'm sure you're busy out there. Uh, so I think we'll call this a day. Thanks to both of you for joining us on the program today. Yeah. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Pedro. Thank you. We've been talking with Caleb Williams, Marketing Innovation Manager of Two Men in a Truck, and Pedro Gallegos, a Two Men in a Truck franchisee. I'm Joe Barnhart, encouraging you to get out there and build your brand. Views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the presenters and do not necessarily represent the views of Two Men in a Truck International Incorporated.